When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Smooth Soul Monday edition of Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. We got a lot of different topics we're getting into. Uh, we'll talk about the national title game here and get into the dogs and the frogs. Uh, that's happening uh, tonight, so we'll break that down. Top of the four here and also the top of the six o'clock. But the big news of the day, if you're a Longhorn fan, I'm sure you're giddy about this. Uh, my man uh, Jeff Howe, shout out to him because he's the one that informed me. Uh, but the Longhorns are getting themselves as safety via the transfer portal uh, Jalen Catalan is committing to the University of Texas via the transfer portal maybe he came from Arkansas he is from the state of Texas from the DFW the Mansfield legacy I believe um, he was a preseason All-American heading into the 2021 season um, all SEC uh, safety in 2020 um, but has dealt with some injuries the last two years he's basically had seven games I think he's played total over the last couple of years because he's dealing with some been dealing with some injuries but uh, he Man, he is a legit NFL caliber safety. That's all I get. I mean, he's got a Sunday skill set. Uh, he can cover. Um, he can come down and hit. He can, can make tackles in open space. Um, he's only 5'9", so he's a little undersized. But um, his skill set, more expansive skill set, more than makes up for his uh, lack of size or lack of height, yep. if you will. So I... I think it's a hell of a pickup for Texas. One, my biggest concern for the secondary was was the safety position because right. love Jade Barron at nickel, love what Ryan Watts done at the boundary corner. Um, ha- after talking to Chet Brooks this weekend, father of Terrence Brooks, I'm even a bigger fan yep. of Terrence Brooks, so I think he'll end up winning that job uh, at the field corner. So I think you got your cover guys. Who's going to be the safety? Um, you got Jaron Thompson, and yep. now it looks like Jalen Catalan is going to be the other safety there. So it looks like your secondary is right now looks like it's pretty, from my opinion, it's pretty locked up. Yeah, if he can come in and be healthy, to your point, you know, dealing with the injuries over the last two seasons. But you sit mm-hmm. and you look at what um, Anthony Cook, that void right there, Anthony Cook's going to mm-hmm. be gone. Mm-hmm. So you walk this guy right in there. He was a preseason All-American coming into the season as well. So you know the level of expectation is even higher. And when the rumors started swirling around that he he may be taking a trip to the University of Texas, he was here during the Christmas break. I think he might even have a girlfriend that was on campus or something like that. But he was in town, and I saw a picture of him posting, I'm in Austin, Texas. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. Then find out that he is in town. Uh, he was here last night, and then this happens. This is huge for the university. If he could come back and be – if he could fill in any of that 
position that we just talked about with Anthony Cook filling that void and him being able to go out there and play on that back end because, again, he was a preseason All-American heading into this season before he got hurt. 159 total tackles accumulated while at Arkansas. Three and a half tackles lost, nine PBUs, five interceptions, three forced fumbles, one fumble recovery. So, I mean, he's a guy that helps you in a lot of different ways. I mean, he can play at every level uh, of the defense. You can bring him down the box, even though he's a small player. He plays with a physical style. Um, so you can bring him down the box, plays with great leverage, um, and really does have really good football ball-hawking instincts. So when he's around the football, he believes he's got claim to it. He's one of them. So I, I love this pickup by Texas, man. That's a Like I said, I can't, I, I can't think, that, think of or – I can't imagine there's a higher-ranked safety coming out of the transfer portal than Jalen Catalan. Only concern would be injuries the yep. last two years. That's your only issue with him. And knock on wood, you'll take that all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. Um, you just got to make sure that you know he can get out there and play the majority of the games. And he's shown that he can do that. He's just had so I guess, a shoulder issue the last couple of years. Trust me, as a guy who whose NFL career ended because of shoulder injuries, they can be a, a pain. Right. <laughs> they really can they can persist over time. If you don't have the correct surgery um, the first time and you know if you don't have the right rehab the first time you can't rehab it to make it stronger all that kind of stuff so DBU once again representing uh, with Jalen Catalan now becoming a member of uh, DBU so shout out it's ironic that you say that about mm. your shoulder I had the same thing happen with mine and it oh, wasn't even man. on football it was in baseball so that oh. just and it wasn't even on the shoulder that I throw with it was on the opposite one so it was all messed up but going back to mm. where Catalan was don't forget he was one of the top recruits for Texas when his recruitment was going on. He was actually going to come to Texas to play football and baseball. That was in the conversation as well during his early recruitment for, for, for football. So I'm excited for this. But, again, like we talked about, cautiously optimistic that he will stay healthy and be able to go after it. Yeah, uh, I'm I, I'm really excited about that as well. It's big news. That is the breaking news on the 40 Acres. All right, let's talk about the national title game tonight um, between the Dogs and the Frogs, TCU versus Georgia. How about this little nugget? I had a couple of little nuggets about this matchup. So since the national championship game's inception in 1998, the only other schools uh, basically to make it to the national title game who <laughs> – didn't even receive a vote in the preseason AP poll, which is TCU, because they didn't get a vote at all in the AP poll. The only other teams to get as far as TCU without receiving a vote in the preseason AP poll was Auburn back in 2013. Um, And the last national champion that started the year unranked was Georgia Tech in 1990. Georgia Tech in 1990? Georgia Tech wow. in 1990. So since 1998, um, if you look at teams who uh, what a, weren't even one of the, I think it was 47 teams, received a vote in the preseason AP poll. TCU was not one of those 47 teams. And you go look at all the teams since 1998 who made it to the national title game, who did not receive a vote in the preseason AP poll. The only other team is Auburn back in 2013. Wow to do it. And the last national champion that started the year unranked as TCU did would go back to Georgia Tech in 1990. That's interesting. That's so way been, back in the day. Yeah, it's it's been, been a minute. It's been a long time since, we, since we've seen this. And um, and you go look at the 12 and a half point, I think it may be 13 now. I'm not it sure. It is 13. Okay. Yeah. Uh, is it 13? Yeah, I got it at 13. 
Okay, so this comes from ESPN or per Caesars actually. This is from Caesars. So um, if you if it was at twelve and a half points, Caesars says that's the the highest yep. point spread they have for a national title game um, that they have on record in the recent since nineteen ninety eight. They said the uh, largest point spread was nine and a half points in the title game. Um, that was Alabama against Ohio State in twenty twenty. Notre Dame in 2012 was also a nine and a half point spread. Yeah, apparently. So here, it, as of right now, on the site that you talk about, my bookie, it says Shout they out. got them at minus thirteen and a half now. Okay, thirteen and a half so, now. The over under has dropped down to sixty two and a half. Originally, it was at sixty three. So th- those are some big numbers. But I do want to go back to something you just brought up during the playoff era. Since 2014, defending national champions to make it into the college football playoffs. 2016, Alabama lost in the national title game. 2017, Clemson lost in the semifinals. 2018, Alabama lost in the national title game. 2019, Clemson lost in the national title game. 2021, Alabama lost in the national title game. Hmm. So that's why there hasn't been a defending national champion to win the national championship back-to-back years. So this is the interesting part. So since 2016, Alabama, Clemson, Alabama, Clemson, Alabama, and now Georgia are the teams that are trying to break that course, that cur- uh, curse. Yeah, so you've only had two repeat national champions since 1980, yep. Bama and Nebraska. Yep, that's it. Okay. So Interesting, it, right? So that his, history is working against uh, Georgia a little bit too. You just haven't we haven't seen back to back champions, so yeah. I, I guess it may be hard for some people to believe that. Um, getting back to large point spreads, though, uh, don't forget in 1984. I guess this is as far back as they could go. Um, Miami was an 11 point dog to Nebraska, and Miami won. Yep, 31 to 30. Mm. So that was if you're gonna look at the last time we saw a point spread this big, that may be the last time you saw one in the na- a point spread national title game as as large as the one we're looking at at twelve and a half, thirteen, wherever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Orange Bowl, uh, Miami number five versus number one Nebraska, nineteen eighty four, and Miami pulled off the upset, thirty one to thirty. Digging it, digging it. So Let's maybe. go. Let's see what happens tonight, baby. It's been a, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. It. And the uh, disrespect that is out there. That's the other disrespect. part. Oh, no, it's disrespect. No question. But what, I, you understand it, though. Georgia yeah, yeah. has been recruiting like gangbusters. Mm-hmm. You look at just overall roster talent. Oh, by they far. Have the, the, <laughs> they have a top two uh, talented blue chip ratio, basically, in all of college football. So basically, at the number two most talented roster in all of college football, TCU, by the same metric, looking at uh, 247 sports, will be 32nd in the country. Country. Yeah, and that's not that's not bad. It's not bad at all. Um, but that's still a huge disparity. The only really big time blue chip uh, prospects for TCU are Max Duggan and Quentin Johnston. That's it. So let me ask you this: Wes Harris on the O line is a four star prospect. Bud Clark in the secondary was one two. Mm-hmm. That's four. So basically, out of your starters, you got four blue chip prospects out of their starters on offense and defense, and the rest of them are three-star or transfers from our JUCOs. JUCOs, transfers, and three-stars. 
you just don't see this right in in our modern era of football. You don't see a team without a lot of kind of marquee high level talent make it this far. I'm gonna get what's what's the guy that um, Herb Brooks, the the former head coach of the U.S. hockey team when they weren't supposed to beat the Russians. Oh, the Miracle on the Ice? The Miracle on Ice. <laughs> that is what it is right there. You weren't supposed to beat them. You're not even supposed mm. to be here. Sonny Dykes is in that locker room telling them. He is. You're being disrespected. Yeah. How much? When do we get our respect? And then if we beat them, when we beat them, are they going to say that we were a fluke? I mm. don't care. Let's hoist the trophy tonight. Yeah. No, as there, there's something fluky about some of this stuff, though. I mean, it, it, there are two things. The health of TCU's offensive line, I think, has been just mind-blowing. They they have not missed one start on the offensive line. All of their offensive linemen have started every game the entire season. Yep. That is extremely rare for any team at any level of football, considering how physical the line of scrimmage play is. Also, experience matters. Uh, they... They have, I believe it is, they have eight players with at least 30 starts. I, I started three years at Texas and had, I don't know, what, close to 40-something starts in my career. Um, they got eight players on their roster with at least 30 starts, 14 players with at least 20-plus starts. So there's a ton of experience um, that's also been really, really helpful, and I think it's been advantageous for them. They just got a lot of, got a lot of guys that see a lot of football. The biggest thing for me in this game is discipline, right? Who is going to be the most disciplined mm-hmm. football game? And we'll get football team. And we'll get into it a little bit more as we get closer to the game before we start to make our little predictions. But when I start looking at this team and what TCU's done, and then you look at what Georgia's been able to do, I keep going back to the last couple weeks for Georgia. They have not played good defense at all. That it seems like, you know, we've been talking about seeming like teams aren't really engaged into the to the game plan. For somehow, they've been exploited a lot, and most of it comes with good quarterback play. If there's good quarterback play, and Max Duggan, regardless if you like him, love him, or hate him, dude was the runner, one, the number two in the Heisman voting. He was ahead of C.J. Stroud, who lit them up. Now, all of that is a fan favorite in the voting and all that other stuff. That's great stuff, but... You look at this team and what he's been able to accomplish after beginning of the year, not being named a starter, could have pouted, could have mm-hmm. looked at himself, could have entered the transfer portal, stuck it out, went out there, and he feels like he has something to prove every single week. Can he keep this momentum going? I don't know. I mean, I'm hoping so because I don't think any – I don't want to watch a national championship game where a team gets boat raced. No. I want to be engaged in this game. I want to be in, in, you know, really tuned into it. But that t- that defense for TCU I don't think is getting enough credit too because of uh, uh, Hodges Tomlinson on the defensive end, D. Winters playing there, the way that they've been uh, following their keys and doing everything they're supposed to. This is going to be a fun game, I'm hoping. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, that the rush defense for – uh, TCU really showed up in that game versus Michigan. Uh, Donovan Edwards right there running back. Um, he had that 54-yard run, the first run of the game, yep. um, and then had 65 yards on 22 rushes for the rest of the game. And they really did stonewall him the rest of the game. I think he had 14 of those rushes were for three yards or less. Um, they decided that they were going to stop the run. And one thing, uh, really it's a luxury for TCU, and I was even saying this during the season, they're the best 
cornerback tandem, not only in the Big 12, but now it's the best cornerback tandem in the country. Yeah. Statistically, it is proven. Two of the top five, basically two of the top five players on their team, top five best players on their team, are their cornerbacks. Yep. They got the Thorpe Award winner and Trevius Hodges Tomlinson, and they got Josh Newton on the outside. You go look at the completion Absolutely. percentage uh, for opposing quarterbacks who are targeting Josh Newton, 34%. That's the second lowest in all of college football. Tomlinson, he's at 34%. That's the third lowest in college football. They're the only cornerback tandem that has a completion rate that's in the top five for both of their starting cornerbacks. Nobody else has that. That's the luxury. That's yep. where the defensive game plan starts because they actually can trust their corners to line up and play man-to-man coverage on the outside versus anybody in the country. Will they get beat? Of course, everybody gets beat, but they win more than their fair share. Um, when you start there, I think that's what allows TCU to be a lot more malleable and be able to play with their numbers and win the numbers advantage in the chess match within the game because they can actually play one-on-one on the outside. Very few teams around the country can trust both of their corners to line up one-on-one one man to man. Yeah, yeah, and I think that goes to a big key for me is what Stetson Bennett can do not only on the field but leading his team where I think there is a lot of things where you say experience is very helpful in a lot of places but in college football it may not be as helpful because you think, oh, we did this last year, man. We went in there, we played, we did our thing, we went in and you don't necessarily have that in your brain of like, man, I have to play the best game of football on my life tonight. Mm-hmm. You may not yeah. think that because you won it last year and you went, oh man, I messed up on that. I was fi- I'm fine. I'll yeah, go out there and play. I'll be yeah. loose tonight, and it's going to be good. You're like, no, man, you can't be loose. You need to be like, you need to be ready to go. You need to be intense because this is because yeah, if you come out up. and man, it's it's like a boxing match. If you're on your back foot and the guy punched you in the face, you have a hard time winning that boxing match. <laughs> and so if you go out there and TCU's geared up and you're just ready to go, and they march down the field and score on you right away, they stop you three and out. That's a hard way to mentally turn back around. Yep. But Stetson Bennett is not your normal quarterback in college football where he is a guy that this means a lot to because he knows, look, he's going to get a chance in the NFL because of what his resume is, but he may never actually start a game in the NFL. His career may be pretty short in the NFL, so he knows this is probably the last meaningful game he's going to play. Yeah, He's going to go out there, and he's going to try and get his boys up and ready to go, and if he can do that, then that's a problem for TCU. Well, here's the problem that I'm looking at. I'm looking at everything you just said, but I'm also looking at Max Duggan that way. Everything that you were talking about, because this is, a like we said, this is a kid that was pushed to the side, so to speak. He didn't win the starting job, and then he ends up going to New York, as the and they were an inch away from winning the Big 12 championship as well. So he feels hungry. They felt disrespected going into the playoff game when they got in, and then everybody was looking at them that way. So the exact same feeling that you have for Stetson Bennett, except for the fact that they won the national championship last year. I feel the same way about Max Duggan. And we can say inches, game of inches. They're That's an inch right. away from the from hitting the from getting in. Georgia's a couple inches away from that field goal going in, and they're not in this game. Exactly. Like exactly. they're a few inches away from not being playing today. And I still keep looking at Kirby Smart at the end of that game where he was sitting there saying, I can't believe we won that game. <laughs> like he knew he was worried. And Stetson Bennett had already taken off his wristband because yeah. he thought it was over. No, they I, I I think he's worried about that defense. Yeah. Kirby Smart is stupefied <laughs> by his defensive line. What, 850 passing yards in the last two games? Right. That he cannot figure out. And TCU, 
I mean, if there's anything they can do, they can throw it deep. They can throw it. They can make they explosive get chunk, plays. Your yeah, chunk plays. They get right. chunky yardage plays yep. in the passing game, probably as well as anybody in the country. As a matter of fact, Max Duggan leads the country in passing touchdowns with 18 of them on 20 plus yard throws, and also has 19 completions, the most in college football of 30 plus yards. So yeah, they you know you can you can get him out of his rhythm and get him out of his groove. And I don't even know if Max Duggan has a groove. He just makes plays. He's just a player. Yeah, like he does. Yeah, just like play. He, there's, there's no rhythm to his game, really. He just ends up making plays in crucial, pivotal moments. Yep. That's what they're going to need in this game from him. And, you know, uh, Georgia likes to play a lot of two-man under, two-deep uh, zone, basically with their two safeties deep over the top and all of their DBs playing man-aggressive, man-undercover, jumping a lot of routes. If they do that against TCU, they're going to get burned. Number yep. one, yep. by Max Duggan's legs with no spy on them. Uh, but number two, those TCU receivers, they're a lot faster than people think. Yeah, trust me, and they'll yeah. run. Away, they'll run away from you, and we've seen that uh, in a number of different occasions. So we'll get to some more TCU, uh, U, uh, Georgia breakdown coming up in the six o'clock. Uh, but you got Harsh Knock Life. What you got for the people coming? I'm up? gonna talk a little bit about the end of the NFL football season. I want to get your thoughts on Coach of the Year, MVP, uh, Defensive Player of the Year, and Offensive Player of the Year, rookie. Rookie players of the year. I want to get into that a little bit because football season has just began because it's money time. That's right. That's playoff time, playoff right. week. So we'll get into uh, some of the uh, the awards uh, that will be uh, given out in the NFL, the postseason award, the regular season award, but in the postseason. Yeah. We'll get into that coming up in Harsh Knock Life right here on Ball Don't Lie, Wonderful Nine Horn. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ladies and gentlemen, guys and dolls, the main event of the evening for your entertainment and pleasure. Hi. You have to be so combative. Now, I probably wouldn't say this in front of white folks, but in front of y'all, I'm going to speak my mind. There's emotional anger issue problem. Hey, are you Dirty Mike and the boys? I'm Mike Lowry. Michael! Oh, that's funny. Michael! Welcome back to the Smooth Soul Monday edition of Ball Don't Lie, National Championship edition of Ball Don't Lie. It's your boy Harbaugh Harge. You can follow me on Twitter at Harbaugh Harge. You can follow my man Rob Babers at Rob Babers. And you can also follow my man behind the glass that's in charge of all the great music that we hear throughout the week at It's Patrick Davis. We love it when you're part of the show, so hit us up on the Specs text line 512-337-3776. And, you know, the football season has come to an end. The National Football League is now headed into the playoffs. And this is going to be something that everybody's going to be talking about all week. But one of the things that I wanted to kind of talk about was who's going to be the MVP, who's going to be the Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, and Defensive uh, Player of the Year. There's so many names that are out there, and there is a ton of players that will have an opportunity. But one of the main categories that I wanted to look at was Coach of the Year. And it's interesting to me because – the names that we're going to talk about, Nick Sirianni, uh, um, Dan Campbell, I'm going to put in there. I'm going to put, Doug, Peter- I'm going to put Doug Peterson in that conversation. Uh, Mike Tomlin, who's never had a losing season and made a lot of changes. But the one that I think that 
everybody thinks Nick Sirianni is the lock. The name that I'm thinking about, and Rod, you you might be proud of me on this one, is Kyle Shanahan. Mm. Kyle Shanahan, to me, mm-hmm. has done the most with the team that lost two starting quarterbacks. Yep. Two starting quarterbacks. They lost their some of their best defensive players. They're all getting healthy now. But they they started the season after seven games. They were three and four. Yep. They just went on a ten game win streak in the NFL. With multiple quarterbacks. With multiple <laughs> quarterbacks. And I know everybody's talking about pump fake pump fake purdy, but let me just tell you, man, that offense and George Kittle has came back to life mm-hmm. because of the fact that pump fake Purdy has been throwing to uh, tight ends his whole career at Iowa State. Don't forget, they had three of those tight ends that they loved. And Brock Purdy's done a great job, but I think Kyle Shanahan deserves a ton of credit because of where they are right now. I agree with that. And then I also want to look at what Doug Peterson did. They made the playoffs after losing five straight games from week uh, three to week seven, and then they finished with five wins in a row to end the season. And this was a team that last year was the laughing stock of the NFL, strictly because of their coach, Urban Meyer, but all of the turmoil that was happening behind the scenes for them. And for them to be able to do what they did, and for him, they won the division as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. I think they won about three games, and they've continued to get better. I think we have saw the best uh, version of Trevor Lawrence after we saw the worst version of him. Uh, we were making fun of the, the the transaction, I know I was, of Christian Kirk changing the market hey. for wide receivers. And now he was he's their top wide receiver, there him and Zay Jones. He's balling. They are out there making plays, and it's just interesting to me. Uh, obviously, everybody's talked about Nick Sirianni and what's going on with the Philadelphia Eagles, how they turned their season around and was able. But they were a playoff team last year. Yeah. They made the playoffs last year. Kyle Shanahan, they were a playoff team too. I mean, the, all these guys, it's just interesting to me. But I think if I had to make a pick today after watching the very beginning of the year, watching Hard Knocks, looking at my man Dan Campbell, <laughs> and for what they were able to do this year – and the 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 mojo, uh, what do they used to call them? The Motor City Kitties. Motor City now, Kitties, baby. Now they are over there. They're they're the real lions. They're king over there. They're they're making some adjustments. Mm-hmm. So I've been very very impressed. But if you had to pick a coach right now for coach of the year, who would you pick? Oh man, um, honestly, right now it's probably gonna be. I would probably take Dan Campbell. Honestly, right. It's strange to say that because they didn't make the playoffs. So usually a team that gets that coach of the year makes the playoffs. So yeah. it's probably going to be Nick Sirianni. Yeah, I mean, I go I go with Nick Sirianni just because of what they've been able to do with Jalen Hurts. And, like, it's somewhat underrated that they took a guy that a lot of people said was a bad pick yep. and turned him into an MVP candidate. But I want to throw another name out there that I think was a better – that has done better in his first year than Doug Peterson did, which is Brian Dabble, which we knew – Jacksonville had talent. We knew they had a quarterback. The Giants were a dumpster fire last year. They still don't have a wide receiver. Everyone said they should have cut Daniel Jones two years ago. Saquon Barkley can't stay on the field. He stays on the field this year. They do a lot of things. They make the playoffs in the toughest division in football, arguably. And like I think that turnaround for the Giants was an amazing turnaround. That you make Brian, you make Daniel Jones, who honestly before the season you're like, oh man, you. Uh, you're gonna be lucky if you get three games out of him. 
Yeah. And you make him a playoff quarterback. So I think he's had an amazing year as well. I like mm-hmm. it. I like that name. I like that name. I think I, I'm still looking at what my man Mike Tomlin did. Remember, we were all over them early in the year because they couldn't figure anything out. They had all these quarterbacks, Mitch, Mitch Trubisky. They finally went to Pickett. And, he, and this is the first year without Ben Roethlisberger. This is the first time he went out there without an experienced quarterback. I mean, some people will say Trubisky had experience, but he did. He shouldn't have won the job if you watch what Kenny Pickett did during mm-hmm. the offseason, I mean, in the preseason. So for them to be able to get there and him still finish over 500 is amazing to me, especially with everything that they had on the line going into the game. They were in the playoff hunt until, what, five minutes left in their exactly, game? Exactly, until they it's looked up at impressive. that scoreboard and all of a sudden it changed. All right, so I like that. Now, since you brought up uh, the New York Giants and Dybul, the comeback player of the year, who would be your comeback player of the year? Some of the names that are out there that I was looking at, uh, Christian McCaffrey, Geno Smith, and Saquon Barkley. Geno Smith, they wrote me off, but I ain't right back. And now he's got his team in the playoffs as well. Christian McCaffrey traded after dealing with all the injuries, finally came back, to your point, Patrick, had a healthy season, went out there, and he seems to be the most valuable player on that offense for the San Francisco 49ers. But most importantly, the name that I'm thinking about is Saquon. Saquon made the biggest difference on their team. Uh, when he's healthy, they're a totally different ball club. He was rushing. He was making things happen. And now all of a sudden, he's the one that, that everybody's looking at and saying, wow, he did come back, and he was a major part to their success. We could say Geno, too. Geno, because everybody thought it was going to be Andrew. Mm-hmm. What was Andrew Drew Locke. Locke? Drew Locke. That's what I call him, Andrew. Drew Locke, you know, he was trying to get the bag. He was doing the bag <laughs> dance. Now you got an opportunity for your team to get into the playoffs. And, of mm-hmm. course, Russell Wilson is not in the playoffs. So yeah. if you had to pick between those three, which way would you lean? I'd go Geno. You'd go Geno? Yeah. yeah. Man, because Geno, again, he wasn't a starter. Like, that dude – was possibly out of the league, Very close. and now he's in the playoffs. Yeah. And one dark horse name that he won't win, but just a fun thing, Jared Goff season. Oh, yeah. It, it's been really cool to see Jared Goff's comeback of completely written off that the the Lions couldn't win with him as a quarterback and has a winning season this year. I love it. I love it. I think, I think Saquon will be in the mix as well. All right, so I want to go defensive rookie of the year. Um, Sauce Gardner, balling. In New York, played an unbelievable mm-hmm. uh, corner this year. Every time he would always be the one to get that assignment, right? He would be the one that would chase uh, any wide receiver, your top wide receiver. He was going to try his best to lock him down. Even yesterday, I was watching the Minis- the the Miami game, and he was him and Tyreek were going at it the entire time, mm-hmm. which was very very impressive because. Speed kills, man. And if Tyree get the ball in his hands, you already know he's giving you the deuces. And he was locking him up. And that was very impressive. Another name, Tariq Woolen, the kid from, from Seattle as well. UTSA. UTSA. Yeah. Six passes defended, six, or 16 passes defended, six interceptions, 63 total tackles. Mm-hmm. But my defensive player of the year, I mean rookie of the year, I'm going to go with Aiden Hutchison off of that Detroit Lions football team. He was an impactful player from the very beginning. As soon as he stepped on the field, we got to see what we saw at Michigan. I really didn't know that he was going to be able to come out and play like that. 
He's I was I was I thought he was going to be okay, but I didn't think he was going to be that much of an impactful player. I was looking at that maybe in his second or third year, but he came in and did well. Nine and a half sacks, nine uh, tackles for loss. He had three interceptions as yeah, a defensive did. end, mm-hmm. and he had two fumble recoveries. Yeah, so he was definitely an impactful player. Who would you vote for on the defensive player? I mean, uh, the defensive rookie of the year? Uh, I think it's Sauce Gardner. Uh, considering at corner, he came in and basically revived a lockdown corner label. I mean, yeah. no, I mean he was shadowing team's best yep. wide receiver as a rookie. That I haven't, I haven't seen that or heard, I mean, heard of a cornerback doing that in a really, really long time. That guy's a next level defender, and he's already. I think he's gonna make an All Pro as yeah. a rookie. Oh, for sure. So if he's a, he's an All Pro as a rookie, he's got to be. It. He's got to be your defensive rookie. He can't be All Pro and then not be the defensive rookie of the year. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and I'll say Aiden Hutchinson, you can't go wrong with him because he had such a great year. But Sauce Gardner, that's like one of the probably the toughest position to play on defense. Absolutely. And he did it at an exceptional level. Yeah, yeah. and especially for a team that had so much Ooh. turmoil over there. So we're going to go right there. We're going to talk about all that turmoil that they had over mm-hmm. there. So I'm going to talk about Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, here are some of the names that I was thinking about. And I wanted, it seems like a lot of these teams seem to be the same. Uh, Garrett Wilson. 83 receptions, 1,100 uh, receiving yards, and he was getting passes from Zach Wilson, Mike White, Joe Flacco, and some dude named Stoverler, the kid that came in the other day. I'm like, wait a minute. Who is this guy? But that was very impressive. Another name, Chris Olave, 72 receptions, 1,000 uh, yards receiving, 1,042, 14.5 yards per reception. He also had four touchdowns just like Garrett Wilson. Both guys coming up with, uh, both guys coming up with uh, Ohio State. All of it keep doing it. Here's another one. Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker, the running back for Seattle. We saw what he did at Michigan State, but you didn't know if it was going to transfer. Not only did I not know it was going to transfer, I didn't realize my man was running that fast. I didn't think he was that fast of a ball carrier because he looked so big. But then you look at his numbers and you're like, wait a minute, this dude is running 25 miles an hour mm-hmm. on, on a big run. So I was very impressed with that. Two, uh, 228 rushes, 1,000 yards again, 4.6 yards per carry, and nine touchdowns. If you had to pick from those three, who would be your offensive rookie of the year? Mm, Patch, you can go. Yeah, I think it's Kenneth Walker just because I mean, he's had such a good year. I mean, like, I wish Brock Purdy played more. Because I'd love for him to be that guy, but I don't think he played enough. I don't. I, I would agree no. with you on that too. Only five. What five? Games? Five games. Yeah, but so he's five like, and zero. Oh. He's five. That's what I'm saying. He's five and zero oh on the possibly the best team in the NFL. Right. You go. Hey man, I wish I could give it to you. Just you need to play a few more games. Mm-hmm. Kenneth Walker making the playoffs in that team. I like it. Yeah, I like that too because he was a major contributor to the success for them to be able to get to the playoffs. And, Him and, and pretty, Gino. And pretty consistent throughout the year. Very much so. Very yeah. much so. No, I'm with you. Um, I, I agree with that. Garrett Wilson is mm, he's yeah. in the conversation, though. Definitely he's I mean, in, he's the, in conversation. the conversation because yeah. he had, didn't have a quarterback for most of the season. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> he had a quarterback. And Chris Olave pretty much did the same thing. Think about it. He had uh, Taysom Hill. Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston yeah. this year. Yeah, you're right. So yes, you start looking at some of these rookies and what they had to go through. The only one that was consistent was Kenneth Walker with Geno Smith. He didn't yeah. have to worry about it. He had his uh, quarterback showing up every week. 
Last but not least, I wanted to go over the MVP of the league. Now, everybody says it's a foregone conclusion that it will be Patrick Mahomes, but here's some names that I want to throw out there. I want to throw out Jalen Hurts because we saw what it was like when he was in the, on, on the squad, and then we saw what it was like when he wasn't on the squad. That's what's up. And he's going he's gonna to be penalized like everybody was talking about, well, he wasn't there the entire time, so we just got to move on. That's just so, so crazy to me how we just move on so fast when it's obvious what we've seen the entire time. So I got Jalen Hurts, but also another name, Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. Joe Burrow and what he's done for that team. And we just talked about how the offensive line has been a little bit different. He's had some injuries. Uh, Joe Mixon, you see what he's got on the outside. He's thrown a touchdown in 23 straight games. He's thrown a touchdown in 23 straight games. I'm impressed by that. And every time I look at him, and you could also throw Zach Taylor in for coach of the year as well because of what they've all had to go through. So there's there's just so much there. But here's a couple other names. Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow. How about one of the wide receivers, Justin Jefferson or Tyreek Hill? Yeah, that's tough. I know they won't get in it. But yeah. it's definitely hey, worth the conversation. Justin Jefferson, Justin Jefferson, Jefferson should be yeah, in. he should making Kirk Cousins look good. <laughs> yeah, he'll get Offensive Player of the Year though, or something. Right, he'll get some sort of award, yeah, but he won't be the, the year, yeah. but not the MVP. Yeah, because I, I mean, you start looking at it. So I think he set all these. Basically, set the didn't he set the single season record? I think he was short a couple yards because he oh, needed okay. 194 oh, yesterday. Okay. He needed 194 yesterday. But I wanted to go through that because I, I've been I've been intrigued by a lot of these guys' numbers. I mean, Patrick Mahomes threw for 5,200 yards, 8.1 yards per completion, 41 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions for the team that owns the AFC West. And they traded away his best wide receiver. And they traded away his best wide receiver. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's just... It's just unbelievable. The numbers that were put up this year, the excitement around football, as always. Obviously, the biggest story was uh, DeMar Hamlin. By the way, he was uh, released from the hospital and is on his way back to Buffalo as we speak. So big news right there. Very excited. I told Patrick this earlier. They they said that – he set off the alarms in the hospital yesterday, the bed alarms, <laughs> because on when they ran back that opening kickoff, he was jumping up and down and just getting after time. it. So yeah. they were like, uh-oh, got to go check on that bed. It was because he was so excited. It's awesome. So it was good stuff right there. Really cool stuff. But uh, yeah. Yeah, all right. So uh, we'll get to some more NFL news notes and nuggets. We'll get to that coming up at the top of the 5 o'clock because we're talking Cowboys and Texans, and we'll get into some of the NFL's uh, playoff, a super wild card weekend previews. We'll get to that coming up at the top of the 5 o'clock. But off the record's coming up next. Uh, we will uh, <laughs> we'll hear from one of the best <laughs> amateur motivational speakers uh, <laughs> in the NFL. He's proven it once again. Let's have some sound from Jamal Williams. We'll play that on the other side right here on Ball Don't D.D. Mega Doodoo, I'm sorry, Mangoodoo. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Deli Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get a brain bag comb. Congratulations. Continue good sex in the big big east. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks.
All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. And last night, the uh, Detroit Lions pulled off the upset over the Green Bay Packers. Um, And it didn't really matter because they just helped the Seattle Seahawks get into the playoffs. really didn't have any playoff implications for them. Um, it was more about Detroit Lions just having some pride. The, uh, you know, I hear my man E. Hogan always call them the fighting Dan Campbells. And they do. They play like that. They're scrappy. They play with a lot of pride. As a former Detroit Lion, hey, they, they play with a certain, um, a certain veracity that makes you uh, just kind of root for them. Have to root for the Lions when you watch them play, man. They play that hard. They also got uh, Jamal Williams on their team. He's a running back. And if you don't remember Jamal Williams, he he had a speech in training camp that went viral um, because the Lions were on hard knocks, and he had a speech about <laughs> how the Lions need to play with more pride. As a matter of fact, you could argue he for, he was for, he foreshadowed the season they end up having. They didn't miss, they missed the playoffs, but they end up playing um, with a lot more pride as a team and earned a lot of respect. Um, so I think my man Patrick has this sound. Here's the sound of Jamal Williams in the preseason, which came to, it happened to be one of our favorite uh, preseason speeches, or if you will, motivational speeches that was given by any player trying to pump up the Lions for their 2022 campaign. I'm going to let y'all know, man, today is the minimum of effort. Do not give up. Do not feel like you're tired. Were you tired? Think of last year and think of that f-ing record. Every time I get tired or I think I can't go no more, I think of that f-ing record. Last year wasn't it. That ain't us. We can make it. Have some heart. I get emotional about this. I'm about to cry because I care about y'all. Do your best. Let's go. Lions on three. One, two, three. Okay, as you can hear, he's very emotional. And he's a very emotional guy. Gets emotional. And after the win over the Packers, he once again was being interviewed and he got emotional. But this time, the range of emotions is why I think he became a viral sensation. He ended up breaking Barry Sanders' uh, single-season touchdown record. He was asked about it, but then he goes off and it is just magnificent. Here it is. You broke Barry Sanders' record. What does that mean to you? Uh, uh, my great-grandfather died on me. I'll just dedicate this to him. I'll just proud. I'll just grateful to do this for him. My grandfather, he was 92, but I'm just grateful for him to be in my life, and I'm grateful to be able to play football and do this for him. So there's a lot of memories, a lot of emotion happening right now, but I'm just grateful. I'm grateful to be able to play this game for my great-grandfather, and I'm glad that he's looking down on me, and I know I'm making him proud. You said this ball is for him? Yeah, this is for him. Another thing, stop playing us, man. We made, we the Detroit Lions. We the Detroit Lions. Stop playing with us. I don't even watch TV, but I heard everybody already picked, their, picked the Packers over us. Stop playing with us. That's all I got to say, man. Don't let these tears fool you. It's all dog around this mug. <laughs> That is the best. Wow. <laughs> Dude, he just turns like a WWE promo. <laughs> like almost instantaneously. Oh my gosh. He went from crying about it was his great grandfather or yes, great grandfather. And then said grandfather. Yes. So it might have been both. It might have been ninety-two. Crying 92. Yeah, heartfelt and then went straight into WWE promo. Don't these tears fool you. Yeah. Like, what? We got the dog over here. <laughs> I love I love him. I, I would have to have him on my team too. I see why Dan Campbell's like, no, we want him. Did 
you see his? Did you see his intro uh, that he did when they did the player intros? No. This is what his intro said. First way Kazakage, leader of the hidden village of the dead. What? <laughs> yeah, he's crazy. What? The hidden village of the what? The hidden village of the dead. I think no one yeah. knows what he said. And his and his eyes when he was saying it, Rob was like they were bugged out. Oh, he was like crazy eyes. Yeah, crazy eyes, letting wow. you know that he about that life, man. I know because we got the dog over well, here. No, when I saw that that, that emotional just kind of switch, he just oh. flipped like that. Yeah. Oh, you don't want to mess with nobody like yeah, that. You don't. You you can go from like, basically that kind of emo where you're basically mourning live on air. Yes. Uh, and grieving live on air to hey you know what hey don't be messing don't with me be, yeah, WWE yeah. promo I don't even watch TV only watch but TV. I but I've been hearing all y'all talking about it <laughs> <laughs> wow so yeah, anytime that's outstanding anytime Jamal Williams is giving an interview make sure you're around and listen to it because he he he's not Marshawn Lynch but hey you know what he he's in that realm no, it was it was that a level, very interesting interview I was having a so. conversation so I had the volume turned down and then I saw it. It without volume, and I was like, I have to rewind that and watch it because I don't know what he was doing, but I could tell that was weird. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can fix that. I don't think, she, and she never asked another question, did she? Well, she didn't have time because he was about to walk off because we got that dog over yeah, he here. Went, he went right into the train. And then I think she yep. went back to Jared Goff. Yeah. yeah. I think she was like, let me go, let me go, let me go back over to here Jared. to sanity. Yeah. Oh, that was fun. I don't know what other emotion That's you it. can hit in uh, that. Yeah. Someone said he went straight up Key and Peele. He did. <laughs> oh, so a chance has the villages from an anime show. There you go. Oh, See? there you go. Learn something new every day. Yep. Uh, I, didn't, yeah, I didn't know that, but man, Jamal, Jamal Williams, great. A great interview, and he is randomly, it does get you motivated. He's, oh, for sure. So he, he does, man. His passion. And you're going to have to play palpable. hard for him. Like, and, if you on his team, you got to give me everything, just like his crazy coach, exactly. Dan Campbell. He does. He really fits the personality yes. of his leader, yes, which exactly. is Dan Campbell. He, he's definitely one of those guys that would rather have my side than the other side. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, man. Uh, someone says, get the audio from Jamal's locker room stuff. You know what? We might, I might have to do some deep diving. Yeah, yeah. And some rabbit holing and just find. <laughs> do you find I, out if he cries in every single time know, he talks? <laughs> and then yeah. puts it back? <laughs> yeah. Oh, someone says he's got a game ball speech. All right, man, we got to find oh, a game ball speech. That. Oh, yeah. man. Okay. Yeah. All right, we're on it. Thank you, Specs Text Line. <laughs> All right, we'll come back. We come back. We'll get into the Cowboys losing to the Commanders. We'll get into the Texans winning, but sometimes when you win, you actually lose. That's the Houston Texans. Uh, also, had to fire Lovey Smith as a result of their uh, ongoing dysfunction. We'll talk about that and more, all of that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 1049 The Horn.